really it was a dream job, and they had all kinds of applicants. At the end of the whole process, they narrowed it down to two. And they said to themselves, we're going to bring two, one, and then the other, and some people will say like this, and others will say like that. Let's bring both of them the same Shabbos, and then we'll be able to see them face off against each other, and then we'll decide who we like better. We'll see them in real time and make that decision. So they came for Shabbos together. One of them was a tremendous Talmud Chacham. He was very learned. The other one was a lesser Talmud Chacham. He wasn't as knowledgeable. But he was very dynamic, very creative, very capable. And together they came for Shabbos, and both of them stayed by the home of the president. Friday night after the Suda, they both go to sleep, and they're both of them staying downstairs in the guest suite, one room away from the other. The Talmud Chacham stands up. He's going to prepare his drasha for tomorrow. He's a Talmud Chacham, and like all great speakers, he says it out loud. He wants to just make sure he has it perfectly. So he speaks out the whole drasha he's going to say the next day, and it's brilliant. He's ready to go. He goes to sleep the next morning. They're in shul. Musaf is going to be the Kiddush, and then the two drashas. The second Rav comes to the first Rav and says, can I ask you a favor? We know you, a, you have an advantage. You're a much bigger Talmud Chacham than I am. I'm a little bit nervous. Do you mind if I go ahead of you? You're going to be okay. Let me go first. He says, sure, because that's what Talmudah Chacham would do, right? So he gets up, the second one, and he says, Bashos, and he proceeds to say the exact drasha that the other one had prepared the night before. Every single word he heard. And he said it all. The kasha, the teretz, the ma'amakaymas, the joke, the connections, the extra source. He connected it with the fact that it was Shabbos Mavarchim. He tied in with the fact that the president had a new anical. Every single thing that you could do good in a drasha, he did. Everything taken, copy and paste from the first rev of the night before. Beautiful. The ilum is spellbound. And then it's time for the second rev. You're up. No time to prepare. Let's go. So he walks up. And he says, you know, that was fantastic. That was beautiful, Joshua. But if I'm going to tell you my credentials to be a Rav, I would venture to say that the most important characteristic, the most important quality of being a Rav is not just being able to speak. It's not just knowing what to say. Really, it comes down to knowing how to listen. So I'm going to try something else today. Rather than tell you my shtickle taira, I'm going to repeat to you verbatim what the other Rav just said. Every single word. And he gets up and he says it. And of course, he says it a little better, an extra raya, omach laikas, and he says, I hope you enjoyed, I really wanted to show you my listening skills. It's a joke with a lot of depth, of course, because it's the truth. And if it was always true, it's certainly true in 2023, when those that the Rebbein Shalom chose to transmit Torah to be Malami Torah Lama Yisrael are so skilled, not just in knowing what to say and knowing how to say, but in knowing how to listen. The Silver Spring Rosh Hashiva, Baron Lapiansky, has become an address sought across North America for his, his clarity, his elegance of thought, his ability to articulate ideas that other people find so complicated. Mary Virabi Shlita, Rabbi Yosef Elephant, just like when I was in his shia, still till today, he's sitting in the mirror base Medrash, 11, 12, 12, 30 at night, surrounded by a huddle of Igabachim who just want to hear one more Mahalach, Rabbi Kivega, and the Ksais in the second terrace of the Rashba, who walk him back to his car after. And the reason that they're so thirsty to hear from him is because of how he listens to them. Both of them, Mechanchem, who know not just how to speak, but how to listen. They know what's on the hearts of their Talmidim, on the minds of their Talmidim. They know what worries them, what confuses them, what keeps them awake at night, what makes them happy. It's a schuss and a pleasure 
to have this opportunity and we don't take it for granted. Every, everything is the same as the marshal of the joke. There's no Kiddush afterwards. Other than that, it's a carbon copy. Dailam should know we're repeating the answers he taught us verbatim. <laughs> what he means is that surely he said the answers already and we're just going to say it over. <laughs> Go ahead. Everybody knows that in any Jewish kehila, any Jewish community anywhere, Tishabov has a certain demeanor. People walk around with somber faces, and if somebody makes a joke or smiles or laughs, then it's inappropriate. It's Tishabov today. Purim has its mood, and people are happy, and people are cheerful, and if somebody is glum or downcast on Purim, people say, it's Purim today. What are you doing? What should be our mood now when the pain is so great? Rahman al-Hassan, and every single day seems a bit more painful, a bit more anguish, than the day before. Do we walk around somber and worried all the time? Is it Tisha above? Do we walk around trying to be Basimcha because we're Jews? And what are we telling our children? It's, a, it's an appropriate question. We are gathered here in a big gathering. Um, there's a lot of uh, Simcha and meeting people and so on. And yet, it hangs like a dark cloud. So I'd like to reference Sigmar Babasra. We actually learn it. This is you don't get to usually. The Gemara says that by the Chorban Bayesheni, they were Prushim that stopped drinking wine and eating meat. Because how can you drink wine and eat meat um, with the Chorban? So Yeshua pushed them and he said, okay, what about bread? Menachas. So they said, well, eat just pears. What about Pikurim? What about water? Nesachim? And so on. And the Ella, the Gemara says, you can't be goyzer, gzeira, So there's a very delicate balance. Any, any large, strong takana, no matter how much we feel it's appropriate, is not going to last, and it will dissipate, leaving people a lot more disappointed and sort of feeling, what's the point of it? On the other hand, um, business as usual, when so much going on in Israel, shouldn't be the case. It's very hard to make takanas that fit everybody at the convention. We're from different kehillas, different ages, what children need in a school, what an adult might need. There are many, many things, that, many variables. So, we try hard by us in Yeshiva, Marshall, but the Yeshiva includes uh, a, a boys' high school, a girls' high school, a Yeshivdol, a Kerl, and so on, to try to look at every event and make some mark that it's not business as usual. And it's a big, it's a balancing act to find something that is meaningful and yet can last because if it's too draconian, it's not gonna last. So it's definitely appropriate that we find ways to, um, to do it. It has to be on a much more kehillah or personal level because people are so different, their needs are different, and, and what the, their life is different. And to make some zeichel just like we have a zeichel 
And we try very hard. The activities in school are usually activities that are important for the kids. But we always take the cherry off the top. This year, it's not going to be as exuberant. This will be off, that will be off, and so on. That's the way we have to proceed. Most of the things we do, Baruch Hashem, are important, they're necessary, and in order for it to really be sustainable, it has to have the right balance between keeping a zecher and being sustainable. There are two parts to the question. One is, is it Purim or is it uh, Tishabov? And what should we tell our children? The question of whether it's Purim or Tishabov reminds me, um, we met of our daughter a few weeks ago, and the day before the Hasana Mehmechutin, the son of Baruch Pavarsky Shlita, he comes to me and he says to me, Yosef, he says, how can we dance at our children's wedding last night? It was Mamash a few days after the massacre. He says, how can we dance at the children's Hasana last night? Expecting a big Hasana on both sides and a lot of people. How can we dance? So I, I, I said two things. I said, first of all, I'm happy I did a shidduch with you. And I'm happy that my daughter should go into a house like yours where you ask such questions. That's A. And B, the real answer is, is that at the end of the day, everything we do, when, when it comes to the real questions, okay, everything we do is Avodah Hashem. So there's Avodah Hashem to feel somebody else's pain, and there's Avodah Hashem to be sad, and there's Avodah Hashem to dance at Hasanas. And us Yidin are able to multitask. The reason why we're so talented over the years in our ability to multitask is because the tasks are Avodah Hashem. So our ability to dance at Hasan is people danced in Auschwitz in the gas chambers when it was in Chastera. Were they crazy? No. We're able to multitask. We've been multitasking for thousands of years. You know, under the chuppah, which is the happiest moment in a in the building of a Jewish house, we make a zechel a chorban. Now, even though we don't feel that way, but the chorban was the greatest catastrophe that ever happened to Klai Yisrael, over and above anything that's happened since then. Everything that we've had since then is a derivative of that. It's a talad of that. And at the most, at the happiest moment of building a Yiddish stub, we remind ourselves of the Chorban. Now, if we would feel the Chorban the way we could or should, so we would all break down crying. And that's a message to Klai Yisrael that we dance and cry at the same time because both of them are Avodah Hashem. So the answer is it's Tisha B'Av and it's Purim. And we're able to do both at the same time because both of them are under the context. We don't have a mood disorder in Klai Yisrael. We're not moody people. We don't work with moods. We're not in happy moods and we're not in sad moods. The moods that we're in are Avodah Hashem and their mitzvahs. And therefore, we're able to do both in general. I agree with what the Rosh Hiva said about doing things which are sustainable. I think that it's a lot easier to do exterior and superficial and cosmetic actions which don't last than really feeling the pain of somebody else. Revolt the Mashkiach Yeshiva said once publicly, B'Shem Rabbi Rucham, that we don't find any biography of Moshe Rabbeinu in the entire Torah. doesn't say anything about him except for one biographical fact, that when he grew up, says Rashi, he gave his heart and his eyes, his heart is his emotion, his eyes is his intellect, to feel the pain of another Jew. By the way, it says Nosan. Nosan is a verb. That means it was an effort for him. He stepped out of his comfort zone. And Chazal say he actually stepped out of his comfort zone. Rabbi Ruchim said, Mashkiach of Mir said, he said in Yiddish, Tos Moshe Rabbeinu. 
That's the whole Moshe Rabbeinu. That's the whole biography. In the art school biography of Moshe Rabbeinu, after the introduction and the thank you to the Nashim Ba'el to Vairach and everybody who helped along, after all that, it was getting one page. the sponsors. What? The sponsors. And the sponsors and the sponsors and the Heritage Foundation, Zangazuntashtak, everybody. Everybody should live and be well. It was one page. It says that when he grew up, he stepped out of his comfort zone. And from there came the whole Moshe Rabbeinu. Does the Gansa Moshe Rabbeinu? Sometimes it's easier to do superficial things. If every one of us will take a minute, a day, and think about the million mothers in Eretz Yisrael who, who don't know where their sons are, don't know where their fathers are, don't know where their husbands are. My mother-in-law went to Menachem Ovel, somebody who lost a child last week, a grandchild. The lady has 15 kids in hand-to-hand -hand fighting. Nothing ain't unbelievable to give our minds and our hearts to step out of our comfort zones was difficult for Moshe Rabbeinu, and that's why Chazal say he was Zecha to the Torah, and it's Kolshke and difficult for us, because by nature, we're wrapped up in ourselves, we're self-absorbed. That's a real Takana, that's a real Neisab oil. As far as the kids are concerned, I think that Jewish history, our Tzoros, Holocaust, the Crusades, Tachvatat, are part of the timeline from the Chorban, it's part of the history, it's part of the timeline back to Har Sinai. Our Messiah, our history, our timeline is critical to the context of our Vedas Hashem and our mission in the world. It's critical, it's critical to speak to the children about the historical context of what's happening. It's part of our Messiah, it's part of our connection to Sinai. It was Yeshiva in Lakewood that called me a few months ago and they said they have an hour of general studies a week. What should they learn? I said, learn Jewish history. They should have a context of the continuity and the plan. It has nothing to do with gory details or trauma. Children have to know, to be able to connect the dots and understand what happened from the Chorban and on, what the Chorban caused, why we are what we are, where we were and where we're going. It's mamish critical for the self-definition of our young generation to miss the opportunity would be a tremendous uh, shame. I just want to bring down the, the question maybe a little more, Lamaisa. I'm sorry, just before I continue, Bushos, I'll be married later. The, the question is asking something else. The, on a very practical level, the first few chasnas and chayzus chayzvan, everybody gave out things at the chuppah, to daven, to have things in mind, and it was very meaningful, because how could you go to a chasna and not have it in mind? But somebody wrote, then that just became the new thing to do. So that's another thing that quickly becomes mindless, and they take the things, and you say to them, how do you keep that real? That means I understand the hashkafa of it, but it's a much more practical question. People are making Hanukkah vacation plans. Are they wrong? They're going away, Shabbos Hanukkah, how do you go away? There are mothers in Eretz Yisrael who don't know where their children are. My children needed Hanukkah vacation last year for whatever the reasons that the Chinuch system has a vacation every two and a half weeks. We could talk about that also, but that's not this question. Then, then why don't they need a vacation this year? Or for Shalom Bayes, I need to go to a, a restaurant with my wife. Again, what's the answer to that? How do we, not, not, what's the, Rashiva, the Rashiva answered you. The Rashiva said, if I understood the Rashiva correctly, I've been trying to understand them for almost 40 years, and I think, I think sometimes I was able to understand them. I think... I've been trying to understand how the Bible you understand. I think you heard Rashiva answered. Rashiva said that takonis for the tzibor, nobody can make now. They're not sustainable. Each person can feel by themselves. This is not a private forum to answer people. If a person feels a private need not to go, there are many people who ask me this question, that people who have bias need to go out, and that people who have bias need to go away for a day or two. Jews never stop life because we're in goals. In those Part of the hashkafa behind what's going on over here, Naisi Ba'ol is critical. It's the basis for our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, like we see from Moshe Rabbeinu. I would add on, Moshe Rabbeinu's first hisgaldus of HaKadosh Baruch Hu was with the sneh, right? What does Rashi say over there? Imo ya neichi 
HaKadosh Baruch Hu's first revelation to Moshe Rabbeinu was, I'm with you in the Torah, because that's what the story of Moshe Rabbeinu was. HaKadosh Baruch Hu appears to us the way we appear to him. So, Ima Nechibet Torah was Moshe Rabbeinu's trademark. We have to do it. But Yidin, all the years, continue their lives in whatever, in whatever is necessary. The, the person has to know what he needs to do, what he doesn't need to do. It's a, Again, I repeat, it's a lot harder. I think that's what Toshiba meant to say, if I understand it correctly. It's either, each person has to know for themselves what's the right thing. It's much harder to really feel the pain of somebody else. And that's what's much more important than this action or that. If a person privately feels and it's staring the way to go, that's their business. They should ask a private thing. It's not something for a general answer. There is a new movement in Kalah Yisrael, a very successful movement called Vayimain. focuses on Shmir Yasenayim. I'm 40 years old and I get tremendous chizak from this program. And I can say that several people whose lives were completely changed for the better because of Vayimain. My question is, is this something that should be on such a public scale? I went through the system, and this topic, Shmir Asenayim, was barely spoken about. Why wasn't it spoken about all the years? And why should we be speaking about it today? Um, I think it's important to understand, like Rebbe mentioned, different people are different. The different kufis in life. A young adolescent boy has tremendous fire and energy, and the question is, what do we push? Certain things, when the Chassidish Messiris, they push that. Our Messiris has been very strongly to push it into Talmud Torah. And once you put, so something like Shemir Nine, which is very important, obviously, but what happens is, if the fire and energy goes into that, Worse, if it becomes obsession, um, guilt, etc., etc., then you lose out the Yezat Torah. And our Messiah is, once you have the fire of Torah, everything else can come into place. It's true about a lot of things. When we, we're 40, we look back and say, oh, I wish of that. An 18-year-old is not a 40-year-old. And... A 40-year-old is not a 70-year-old. Each kuf in life has different things. The fact that he's inspired to a mitzvah and is mature enough to be able to deal with it has a lot to do with everything that's been built up. So I think this has been so good old that the emphasis in yeshiva should be a fire learning because it's a kumase. It's, it's not... When, it, when, it, when you struggle with what not to do, then basically you never feel you accomplished. When you're able to get into Ruchnis through learning, again, which is Almasiris, everything else can come on top of that. It's a question of priorities, and therefore Rosh Yeshivas, Yeshivas were very reluctant to introduce anything else. And I feel the same way. Ashrenu, that there's a door today that at 40, begins to see the value. But it's A, because you mature, you've settled down a bit, you, you, you're in a place where you can do it in a way that's healthy and you understand the chashivas and the nobility of it. And it's built on the fact that your, the yesoid was filled up with Tyra. That's, that's the, the, the chinuch, that's the message that, that we've received in yeshivas. First of all, the incredible um, incredible movement of Aimoin that I've been exposed to in the last period of time. 
Hmm. Um, I'll say two things. Number one, we had in last week's parsha that Yaakov Avinu went to sleep on the Avonim on the rocks, and all the rocks became one. The Avonim. The morale explains that. Hello, that that Yaakov Avinu, the rocks wanted to be slept on, is the paradigm the. The example of kedusha in the world, the correct usage of gashmias and physical aspects. The Spitz example that's brought down in Mesil Sasharim is the rocks, which is an inanimate object, the doimim, asking to be used in the right way. That's kedusha. Yaakovinu's kedoshenu kedoshankiv. Maral says that wherever there's kedusha, there's achtos. So the same rocks which said they became one. The amount of people who have told me that as a result of Aimoyim, their marriages have dramatically improved and changed and transformed themselves overnight is incredible. And the reason is very simple, because where there's Kedusha, there's Achtos. And the reason is is because there's a huge misunderstanding with Shemir Sinayim. It's associated with a guilt trip, like the Roshiva said. Shemir Sinayim involves two other things. One is, it's about self-absorption. It's about taking. And people who have a mis a distortion of the topic of, of Shemir Sinayim, a person who doesn't have Shemir Sinayim, what is effectively doing is living a life of self-absorption, of what the Pasuk in Mishle says, you're just absorbed in yourself, you're busy taking the whole time instead of giving. Where there's Kedusha, where there's self-control and the appropriate usage of our assets and the world around us for a higher purpose, there's Achtos. So the amount of people that lives have been transformed by Vimoyen in the last period of time is partially incredible, because when the rocks become one, there's achtos. Where there's kedusha, there's achtos. Anybody can try it, by the way. Marriages are transformed. If there's rishos to argue on the reshiva, um, this issue about whether the bachrum should be taught or not. So, by nature, the litvish yeshiva world is conservative, meaning not conservative as opposed to reform. <laughs> but uh, it's a very touchy topic these days. But uh, not, not that. But the conservative, we're not open to change that much. And we, we work with the old Nusach of, we don't have a Messiah to talk about it, which is what the Yeshiva said. But the truth is, is that we don't have a Messiah of running a Yeshiva world in a world of exposure like the Bakram have today. And the idea that we're not going to respond to the street, and Adam Godel told me an incredible thing. We were talking about this topic of, we don't have a Messiah, so we're not doing it. The Yeshivas were created by Rebbe Chaim as a response to the street. The street in those years was secularism, Zionism. Today, the street is, 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 is inappropriate material. And, and if that's the street, so we're doing a tremendous disservice by not adapting and talking to the Bakram about this before they're 40. By the time they get to 40, now I'm not saying we will become Hasidish and we're going to become on that level, but and that maybe that stress, which could lead to obsessional behavior, but I think that we're doing a tremendous disservice to the entire door by not teaching them the fundamentals of the beauty of the non-self-absorption, of building an internal world. The main challenge of Shemir Sinayim is that we're constantly looking to the out instead of exposing the beauty inside. 
And I really think that will be a game changer if we would be able to, at a much younger age, explain to Bacharim the importance of building an oilum pinimi. Shmir Sinayim is not about guilt, it's not about a virus. It's about do you have an internal world? Do you have something to think about? Or do you always have to look outwards to get a sense of existence? Do you always have to look at something in order to feel that you are alive? And if a person can develop an internal world and have something to think about instead of counting pavement steps as they're walking down the street, that in the world of today, I think it's imperative. I'm not running the yeshiva world, Baruch Hashem, for myself and the yeshiva world. And Kamat, <laughs> what? Kamat, you are. Yeah, thank you, Rabbi yeah. Besser, Jagoyach. The, the, we, we thank you for your. Always. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I, I'm talking from the trenches of talking to thousands of Bachurim. It would improve their marriages, it would improve their learning. We're living in a different world today. And I think we do need to give them the tools to do that. Not the ones who are going to decide it. And if other Rabbi Seno will decide the thing, to me, it's a no-brainer. I really want to hear what the Rashiva says again. Because I, I, we've had this discussion about other topics, about the old versus the new. And I'm, I'm really an old schooler. But I think on this, we need to do a complete reversion of the whole thing. I want to hear what we have to say. Um, so few things. Um, I'm glad you brought up the point. We certainly can and should speak about it. The point, I, I, I'm not familiar with the material of Vayimoyen, uh, I just heard about it uh, now, but um, the music of building a panemiastika world, that I think is an incredible need because we've gone, when I grew up, the street did not encourage learning, the street did not encourage Mesa Mitzvahs, anyone who did it is because something woke up inside. It was impossible almost for somebody to become a Bentaira without a pneumistic world. Today, the same person that's the same society that says you have to go to college and do well in SATs and et cetera, et cetera, says you have to go to here and there and Brisk and Lakewood and, and, and Freezer and this and that. That's, that's, that's the norm. So Nobody knows what the SAT is. Nobody knows what you're talking about. <laughs> SAT was a Gzairin I wrote at the Yavonim on us many years ago. That it's, uh, the Yavonim and Jewish mothers. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's, it's today, the, the idea of a panemistic world, who are you? Why, why do you? People, there's, there's a, um, when Barcham are very, very bored and they have nothing to talk about, there is, if he wouldn't be born Jewish, would you be Jewish or not? That's, that's, you, know, you have to be very bored, but that's a, a conversation piece. That was the next question. That was the next question. See, no? The truth is, so forget about Jewish, but would we be B'nai Torah if the, if, if the street didn't carry us? When I came to the Me Yeshiva, there were 300 people sitting in Me Yeshiva total. Probably 120, 130 Americans. The Tzana Shava was probably of almost all of them that their parents didn't want them there. That was the Sarashava. So the only reason you were there was because of the pneumistic world. I think that that to me is a lot more, that point I think is very, the, the, the Musa, we, Musa has become a stick. So you speak sharp things and that's fire. But if you're familiar with Revolver Sefer, which I know you learn with the Eilam, Revolver Sefer is all about building a pneumistic world, who you are, what it is, Hakara, thoughtfulness, and so on. And we don't have it. And to me, that's a real problem. So I definitely feel if, if that's what if that's what it does, then amazing. But 
again, the, the, the emphasis, the fire has to be to make a breakthrough in Avasatera. And obviously, a lot of times we don't speak enough about other things. But the, the point about building a pneumistic world, is, it resonates extremely strongly with me. Gun ownership. <laughs> Gun ownership was never a Yiddish Shazach. If anything, it was quite the opposite. When does the basic obligation of Hishtadlis dictate that the rules have changed? And just like people have home alarms and bicycle locks, that becomes the basic Chiv Hishtadlis. I'm from Israel. Everyone has a gun in Israel. So, so let's talk about this. A lot of these issues, you have to separate the dry, rational facts from culture and emotions. So, if Marshall, if someone comes and asks, should they have a defibrillator in the shul? The answer is, of course. Should they have a phone that you can call a hospital? I don't know how they do it today, whatever it is. Of course. Should you have a guard guarding, guarding a shul? If it's necessary, of course. Gun ownership is a culture also. At Israel, every single Israeli owns a gun. Rahman al-Islam, things happen all the time. When somebody surprises you, it's not a guarantee in any sense. And it creates a culture. So it's a type of question that needs to be answered by a security specialist can sit down and say, okay, what are the needs? What are the chances? How much will it help? Bear in mind also, guns are dangerous. I remember when I was in the mirror and the, as a Bachayat, no, I was, a, I was just a young, I, I, I was a young, younger man. Rav Shmuel Birnbaum had a son, Chaim was his name. He was a Bachar in Brisk. He was, in Netanya for in his Ben Asmanim, and a Jewish guard shot him because he thought he was suspicious and he died. Um, guns are dangerous. A kid Rahmanzan gets hold of it, it's accidental. There's an there's an element of danger. Somebody who is has if, if somebody who is totally tachlis oriented, rational, says you need X amount of guns, this place is such a situation, then it's like every other Shmira. But a place that that, but but to bring it in as a culture, it carries a lot more to it than just, it's not the same like a defibrillator. Very few people are infatuated with defibrillator. A lot of people are infatuated with guns. They, do, do this, try it, experiment, and, and uh, you'll see. Uh, we just did on to the Rosh Hashiva. He's from the east side, and I'm from Bar Park. <laughs> and um, you'll hear the difference in a minute. I'll explain what he said. Infatuations. A bunch of people called me recently, and I don't want to generalize, but a bunch of people called me in the last few weeks about guns. And most of them, not all of them, but the island will agree. The, the class of people who call about guns were people who have been calling for the last 20 years about guns. Or they have anxiety. Um, both, of them, both of them shouldn't have guns. <laughs> and... There's a certain type of people that are gun people, and they for sure shouldn't have guns, and the anxiety people for sure shouldn't have guns. And I don't mean to be cynical, but more or less that's the crowd. And um, we have to stay away from violence in general. We're not violent. Israel, Baishanim, Rachmanim, Kremlech, Hasadim. The only heter 
for a Jew to have a gun is only like the Rashiva said, if there's a clear and present danger and the appropriate authorities and the Rabbonim or G'daylum decide that that's necessary, Yishtados, it's not a hobby like collecting stamps. And um, it's not an appropriate thing for Jews Bechal. It's like, it's, it's like other things which are Gracious things, it's like, it's like you would say that they don't decide to go hunting now, okay? It's not something that we do. And again, I'm concerned about the fact that most of the people who are calling me about this have been hinting this to me way before these events started. We'll leave it at that. Many in the film community, the film community has evolved, and many people go for therapy or seek professional help, and there's much less of a stigma than there ever was which is ostensibly a good thing. In several situations of which I'm aware, the problem identified by the, press, by the professionals has to do with the parents or parents-in-law of the patient. The mother is destructive, the mother-in-law is narcissistic, it's a toxic relationship. What's the type of perspective on balancing Kibbutzava aim with these professional assessments? It's a real question of the Indian in both directions, there are some relationships, there are some, the, the biggest, let's back step forward. The biggest problem when dealing with mental health is that everyone is 100% convinced that they're right. I've yet to hear someone say, yes, I'm a toxic father, mother, mother-in-law, father-in-law. No one's introduced himself that way. And I've, and, and on the other hand, um, you know, I've never heard a child say I'm selfish, I, and, and so on. So part of the problem is people are genuine when they say, how could you do this? They're emotionally genuine, but it's because they're living in a certain perception. It's something that's very, very difficult. Now, I, I want to step out the halacha, because the halacha keep it up, the aim, there's, there's a framework of Michel Chayin at Mechuyev. I, I want to go to something else. The relationship with a parent is hardwired in a person. Akadish Baruch, um, Baruch Hu hardwired us. That the morale speaks about Kibbutz Aveim, when he speaks about mitzvahs that are somewhat sickly, that are sickly, that he, that he owes that car. So we are. We're hardwired like that. And that's the way the Bria is. A child who does not have parents is is is, is a, it's a difficult life, and and it haunts the child. And uh, and on the other hand, um, there are cases where, in the balance of it, it's it might be. Let's take even somebody who can be physically violent. There are people who are physically violent to a degree, and um, that I tell over a story, and I, I'm going to share it because. When people talk about people of the Dara for Holobuholo, there was a boy in our high school uh, many, many years ago. I don't know who it was, particularly I just heard from his Rebbe the story that he really wasn't, he didn't dab him, he refused to dab him, this, that, whatever. He was very, very. And finally, the Rebbe asked him one day, Why can't you do things right? Why? He said, Let me tell you something. My father beats me every day. And I'm a spalal every day that Hashem should help me. And yesterday, I said, Hashem, this is your last chance. And guess what? My father threw me down a flight of steps. Now, so these, now, 
th these are stories that exist. And then there are stories that people just decide it's a lot more convenient. Yes, parents are a little bit eccentric or whatever it is. This doesn't adapt to them. And it's very, very hard, very difficult. It's, it's hard to know. The hope is that A, we develop a cadre of therapists that are shown to mitzvahs, at least they're sensitive to it. They don't have to be paiskim, but for a person not shown to mitzvahs, he's got no sensitivity. The, 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 the idea is, if you're not happy, if you don't like Reuven, move on. Reuven's your father, send them a father's day card. That, that's one attitude that it's, I'm not, I'm not even going to the halacha part of it. I'm saying it's a churb. And people who have a hard time getting along with their own parents have a very difficult time with children and with spouses. On the other hand, there are times when there's no other Eitzah. So having a combination of a, a therapist who's trying to a mitzvah and he has those feelings and he has an Adam Gadol that he can speak to. The problem is when, when a person comes and asks a Rav Shaila, he's always asking it out of his own feelings. I, I'm sometimes astounded. Somebody a while, two years ago, was it was Nagea, person's strong bias, remember? Tangentially, because it was Nagea, a family, says, so he called me up and he said, Yo, I want to tell you something. Normally, there's two sides to the story. There's only one side to the story. So, I, I, so, so who am I talking to? If a person doesn't have, so having a therapist who can assess it at the best of his abilities and have a Gava Rabba, a Rebbe of his that he can talk it over with is critical. On these areas, errors are tragic in either direction. And it's something that is, um, you know, it, it's, it's something that at least in the big picture, the focus should always be on bringing children back to home. Even if, if, if 100% requires some distancing, but the point is there are, there are situations that are absolutely dangerous or impossible, and the situations that are uncomfortable and difficult. And it, it, it requires a, a tremendous sensitivity to be able to build that the end goal should be that there be a relationship that's workable. Uh, it, it means stepping out of what you taught in school, and it means having a big person who you can deal with. Those are, those are hair-raising issues. First of all, as a, as a visitor from overseas, so I have to be honest, um, I'm watching from afar, you know, I'm an Eretz Yisrael, but my head's here. I'm watching this debate develop in the forums of the magazines and the weeklies, alienation back and forth. It's a topic that's come up a lot. I have a certain distaste of what's going on over here, <coughs> here in America, that even such a question was asked. And I know that I approved of the question being asked. But the etzim zach, that these things are spoken about in public, this cannot, no generalizations that can be said about any case. There are two problems with talking about these things in public. One is, is that every case is different. We're talking about things which are essentially private. There's no rules on these things. We talk about these things in very general rules, like the Roshiva said, by the way, but that's one problem. The second problem is, is that therapeutic issues 
are very subtle, they're very confidential, they're very idle, they're very panemiistic. And the fact that it's discussed in these open forums, you know, right after the gun question and before the, the rally question, okay, the, 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 and it's sandwiched in between, is like taking, picking up a diamond instead of with a tweezer, picking it up with a, a plumber's plier or, or whatever it's called. These are things which I haven't seen, from my opinion, the public discussion about them only has done harm to it, that people who go into therapy afterwards feel like they've been discussed already in public, even though they haven't been. I don't see that the public uh, debate on this issue has contributed anything towards the progress of this concept at all. And it's taking things which by nature, the success in therapy is because it's done privately with a person who's there feel safe and confident, including the relationship with thereof, and bringing it out into the open, think that this general public debate, which has done huge damage to the therapeutic world, huge damage. I mean, it's, it's funny, even though all names have been changed and all situations recovered, but the person who goes into therapy who feels they're talking about them. And the olive base of therapy, successful therapy, is the complete and absolute sterile atmosphere that happens to it. And the fact that we talk about these things, it makes a zilzal in the whole issue. These are It's like we would have a question over here about neurosurgery. Like, what does the Eilam think, by the way? Is the new form of neurosurgery in Mount Sinai going better? Or is it? Nobody in this room knows anything about the topic, by the way. And nobody was ever in a surgery for neurosurgery. And we're talking about things which are delicate, very edible topics, both in Ruchanias and in Gashmias. They're calibrated down to the finest degree in every situation differently, both mitzad halach and both mitzad hashkof and both mitzad therapy. And, you know, and here in the States, they just bounce these things around like they were basketballs. And this one said that, and that guy said that guy wrote a letter, and the other one disagrees, and the other one says, you're a Russia. No, nobody knows what they're talking about, Bukhal. But since the question was asked, I will say one sentence about the topic, because I'm in America, and this is what you seem to be doing here. So fine, if this is what you want, this will do. What the Rashiva said, the axiom, I'm saying this as somebody who sent an enormous amount of people to therapy, and I'm proud of it, and they've been helped. They've been helped by the thousands, thousands. I, I said at the mental health conference that I was sitting in my car with a bucker two weeks ago, and he really had to go, it comes from a difficult house. And he said to me, Rebbe, tell me one person that you know in your whole life who was helped. Tell me one. So I told him a few thousand, and uh, maybe you'll be 2001. People have been helped. I want to say something. I want to just, Rashid doesn't need my support. The axiom of anybody that we send to therapy is that they should have a good relationship with their parents. People who don't have a good relationship with their parents can't have a good relationship with them. It's not possible, and it's been proven. So the goal is, however, however, there are people, whether it's with a spouse or with a child or a parent who are involved in relationships without using the word abusive, which don't have boundaries. My experience has been is that people who allowed themselves to continue abusive boundary crossing relationships in the end broke up contact with their parents, not because the therapist told them. So sometimes telling a person who's involved in a crossing boundary relationship with a spouse or with a parent or with a sibling and instructing them to put in boundaries and lower the person says, no, they feel sorry for the other party. You're not doing a favor for the other party because in the end, you're going to completely detach yourself. 
with the goal in mind of eventually having a healthy, balanced relationship, that's something which many times needs to put in place, boundaries, not detachment, not alienation. By the way, in most situations, if boundaries would have been put in place when there is an abusive relationship earlier through the therapist or through the Rav, we wouldn't be having this discussion now because 90% of the alienation cases wouldn't have happened and they wouldn't have gotten to that point of no return. And it's critical to explain to people that if you're involved in a relationship, and I'm saying this for the public, that somebody's being abused. Abuse doesn't have to be physical. It doesn't have to be anything severe. But there's a boundary crossing in a severe way. Stop it. Put the boundaries back. Not the cutoff ties. Put the boundaries back, and that will save the relationship for everybody's sake, for both sides' sake, both sides of the equation. That'll be, that was just to be ages I'm being in America. I, I, I mean, it's every word is I miss. I, I want to just... Add and he's been mefarish my words, so now I'll be mefarish his words. It, it, the, the problem is either or. You're not allowed to alienate. You have to the, the tax relationships. You have to get rid of. There are, the real issue is what, when, how much, under what circumstances. You can't get away from the fact. You know, you can't be pro or against. You have to have people that can deal with it correctly and people that they can discuss it with that's the real issue because there are times for this and times for this and the question is when how what and so on Rabbi just referenced a rally question i just want to say a i don't even know what rally he's talking about and basis i assume it's the hotel in south fallsburg and i have no questions about it it's the raleigh uh raleigh just a, a quick follow-up question to this that that somebody sent in Nagaya parents and children. Conventional wisdom is that there's a big difference between parenting married children and parenting single children still at home. Is that true? Are there certain things that you can't say to your married children anymore that you could tell your single children? Um, you, yes, you're, you're setting the boundaries today. The, the, so I want to I want to um, make two points about this. I do think it's, it's a door that seems to have everything. We struggle a lot. Parents do not own their children. Their children... It's only the East Side that says like that. <laughs> the East Side that says my kids are a bargain. That's the... the, the, the um, we, you don't own a child. A child wasn't put into this world to realize your dreams and to bring you nachas. You hope he does, but a child is their own person. Your chiv is to do what it takes to be mashpia that the child grows emiss in, in, in Akash Baruch's ways. And that's, so when, when, if the attitude is, I will dictate to my child, there was, again, many years ago, it's, it's enough so that no one, the people I don't remember, someone called me about the possibility of his son coming to our yeshiva, whatever it was, he was learning someplace else. Um, and so that they came, it was on a Matzah Shabbos, I think, and, and the son was very happy with learning. He was 20 years old and had no intention of changing. He was learning good yeshiva, he was doing well. And the father spoke to me and I said, I said, listen, Kalal God is if a child is doing well and is very happy and where he is, this and that, you don't change. You know, I can't see a reason. He says, well, that I say so is not enough of a reason. That attitude is, um, is, a, is, is an attitude that's wrong. Um, and two, it's it's destructive, and it just creates it's just it's just a question when the child break loose. So Aleph, it's not we own and direct and shape. 
we are mashpia, and and that is how we do it. The and it means that when a child gets married, they're running their own life. Now, should you try to be mashpia? Yes, if you feel you have to be mashpia, of course. But the idea that that you're directing their lives and so on is is it's wrong. It's halachi, but amve aim. It's it's a terrible translation, obey your parents. It's wrong. You flunk the Chumash test. Kabit means be mechamedim. Mashkeu, machileu, and things like that. He, he shouldn't be saisit varav. But, but it's not obeying, and certainly we need to recognize in both ways. When a child gets married, they're assuming responsibility. When a, when a, when a, a woman gets married to her husband, her husband is first, and her family is second. Halach like that. And when your son gets married, he took on responsibility. The ksuba is a lot of responsibility, and he should live up to responsibility. Baruch Hashem, we're able to help and support, but, but we need to understand that, or, or else we're, we're operating on false premises, and it's just a question when it crashes. I think the Rashiva stressed the issue as far as marriage is concerned, as far as we'll call it interfering in children's lives after they've taken on the responsibilities. Perhaps to point out another aspect, I think that the most important axiom and rule that applies to Chinuch is one rule, which makes the question irrelevant almost. The rule of Chinuch is, a, uh, I once uh, spoke to a, we'll call it the rule of Azma, I'll explain. <coughs> and. I think this is the rule that directs all chenoch today, and so fine. Blocking my view. <laughs> He's a very controlling moderator. The, the I once was speaking to a Yishami mechanach who I respect greatly, and I was discussing with him something about one of my kids, story from twenty years ago, and I said, "What do you mean?" So after. I have to say something, do something. So he picked up his head slowly, like Yushamis do. If there's no need to do it with energy, they do it slowly. Right? Everything so he picked up his head slowly. And he said to me, Harab elephant, the asma, and then what? So you said, and then what? That's what he said to me. And what he meant to say was, Oh, you don't know, so be quiet and get lost. Chinuch is not a declarative profession. It's not a professional declaration. It's not about making mochos. Um, you know, it's like Yom Atzmaut, and you put on your sackcloth, and you come to Kikr Shabbos to make a mochah against the Medina. That's not chinuch. Chinuch is not about mochos. It's not about announcements. Chinuch is a chess game. Chinuch is based on two premises. One is, do you know where you want to go when you do something in chinuch? And... What's your chances of getting there? That's what we call asma. Then what? We live in a world where kids do something, and I'll go on on a limb and say that 90% of reactions don't answer to the criteria of asma. The kid says something, and we understand that our job of chinuch is to react, because you can't let the child go. You have to be mechanachim, right? That's the mocha type of chinuch. Right? That's mocha, but that's not chinuch. Chinuch is... 
you're going with a mahalach with the kid around a certain topic. We're trying to get to, and two moves down the board. Are you going to get there? If the answer to either one is I don't know or no, so then be quiet. I but we have to say something. You don't. That's not chinuch. That's declaring chinuch is not chinuch is a very very practical thing. Therefore, since chinuch involves what are the results, so there's really no difference between a bachur or married. Well, Shiva said it's true. There's a technical aspect of not mixing into people's lives. But let's take it from the pure chinuch aspect. If I understood the question, the chinuch is not just with get to Rebbe and Tam. Am I chayiv in my children's chinuch? The answer is yes. But bachur, single and married, has to go through the filter of the azma. And generally speaking, if the marriage, the azma is almost not relevant because you're not going to get a response for all types of technical reasons. Um, I've had hundreds of conversations about asthma, hundreds, hundreds, I would say, once or twice a week, where people call me about chinuch issues, and I say to them, and then what? Yeah. And what's after that? Silence. Nothing. Have a good day. We're done. And in most situations that we react, it's not for any purpose. So that's the rule that governs the answer. The answer is that most of the times after married is not relevant, and many of the times when the child's single is not relevant, but that's the only rule that governs chinuch, besides the technical thing of not interfering in children's life after the marriage, which is a separate topic. It's not a chinuch topic, by the way. It's about, it's about being normal. It's about mental health. <laughs> the issue about mixing into your children's life after wedding and control and all the things is a mental health question. There was a conference here this, this afternoon with 400 mental health people should have presented it there. It's not a chinuch question. It's a mental health issue about people who need to run their children's life because they don't have control over their own. In a world that is so filled with varying opinions, how does one choose his das taira? What do we do when there are differing views? Is it okay to pick and choose based on the issue at hand? Um, hey, it's, I, I, you know, I would like to maybe spend a few minutes learn through something. I, I I had a hunch that that might come up for some reason. I, I said about the rally. That about the, <laughs> he, held a, he held a gun to my it head. It is in a rally. <laughs> I, so I, I'd like to, a Gemara Chagiga. It says, Balei Asufos. Elu Talmidei Chachomim Sheyoshvim Asufos Asufos Ve'oskim Torah. Rabbi Shua, Rabbi Loza said, Balei Asufos are Talmidei Chachomim that sit in groups and learning. Halolo mitamin, halolo mitarin. They say, this say tome, they say tohar. Halolo oisrin, halolo matirin. They say it's asa, they say it's muta. Halolo poisna, halolo machshirin. Shemayimu adam hechani lo mitayra, meyato. What does it mean to learn? I'm, I'm bewildered. I walk in my smedrish, everyone's listening to everybody else. Sounds like a contemporary Gemara. Talmud loima kulam nitnu miroya echod, keil echod nesonam, Panesechad Omron, Mipi Adoin Kolamaisim Baruchu, Dechsev, I double came, it's called Vormeila. So, one, it came from one source. Afata se Ozaka Farheses, bend your ear like a Farheses is sort of a, um, it's a clee that's broader and, and then narrows down. Uknele Cholev Mavin. Get yourself a heart to understand. Lishmo estive mitamim, estive mitarim. Estive oisin, estive matirin, estive poison, estive mashirin. Velosha ze omalehem eindor yosem shabloza ha'ashorim. So the Gemara says, 
a person walks into Beis Medrash, they're clustered in groups. These say it's Tahar, these say it's Tomei, Muta, Aser, and so on. How many terrorists are there? This can't be right, that can't be right. If this is right, that can't be right. Kula miroy echad nitnu, it's all from one, and you have to make your ear in a farcheses and kenichalev maven. Rashi says, Asei ozach afarcheses, me'acha shekulan libal neshamayim, being that all of them libal neshamayim, they mean l'shem shamayim, Asei ozach hashemas ulmoid, listen carefully and learn it all, Vida divrei kulan, and know all of those. And when you know which is right, then you can be kavel kamaisi. This Gemara is, is, a, is a Gemara that, that carries oilamumalaya. And I try to ex want to explain the points. Torah comes down in our world with many different opposing viewpoints. By the time it reaches our world, it's got halolu material, and that's the Amita Shaltaira. It's coming from one Shavish. And that's second point. The third point is to have a true opinion, you have to be able to include all of them. And now let's try to explain it, how it's in again, how it's relevant. There's a mistake as if Aguda, as if Messiah Torah is margarine. Everybody says the same, everybody says this, everybody says that. When Aguda was founded, it defied imagination. The Litvish world and the Hungarian world, Doboland, there's more than Oboland and Kehillas, the Polish Chesidus, and the German Yaquis were four continents. Today you can travel in Europe, it's, 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 it's you know, it, it, it takes a day to get from here to here. It, it was four worlds that very, very much saw differently. What's Europe? Is that near Karastir? What? What's Europe? It's by Karastir? That's the fifth world. It was very, very different worlds that didn't see eye to eye at all. Two different worlds. My father's grandfather was in Covenant, Litter. He didn't see a chassid until he came to America after the war. And when they made Aguda, the, the, the guiding principle was Nahara Naharo Pashte. Every Mokram has its own Mahalach. And yet, if we don't come together for issues that affect all of us, we are doomed. And it was. Yiddishkeit was falling apart in almost every part of Europe because they didn't have what was needed, the, 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 the effect of such a large tzibo together, working for things that affected everybody. So a German yid who was a, might have had a doctorate and his kid was learning Murechoyl, fought very hard that, that, that somebody in Hungary shouldn't impose a gzair of Murechoyl on Poland, whatever it is, on their kids. It was, it was an incredible accomplishment, because they really were very different worlds. So that means we unfortunately, because everything came a mishmash, so there's one voice. The Rebbe says, the Rebbe said, yes, go, not go, go this way, go that way, go the other way. And that's what you do. You have a very clear source. The other abundance, the other say differently. 
in 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 the in 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 out of town, one of the mailuses were kahilas, and if you parted a kahila, the mardasra, the 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 you know, if it, depending on the size, is some somebody that either you parted a kill or parted a kill. When you live in a city, it's it's a lot a lot of times off of just conveniences, and you live off WhatsApp messages, my doors, and stuff like that. When our good comes together on issues that affect the klal as a klal, and it's 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 an issue where the entire tzibur is together on it, then we can act as a tzibur, and we and 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 and, and what our good has done is incredible. But then there are the nahara naharo pashte. And the halolo oisim, halolo matirin, halolo tarin are part of the mita shaltera. I want, I want to bring this to life. Baruch Hashem, in Eretz Yisrael, we are what we are because there are people who built Eretz Yisrael and the people who said these people are trying to be machav Eretz Yisrael. There are people who built yeshivas and there are people who built roads and this and that. And even though they were at loggerheads with each other, the was like that. So we, as from Eden, each one of these kehillas, these tziburim, contributed something incredible. Um, and, and anyone who, who, who seriously, who takes history seriously, I, like I told people, I remember when mixed swimming became Asa because it was the, it was the, it was the, 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 the Hungarian tzibur that said, what's going on? They brought that. The yeshivas and the and the strength of yeshivas, the literature tzibur brought. The the, the 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 ability to stand strong with the levoshness and that another tzibur brought, and so on. So there will be always disagreements, and there are many the most important areas are a total agreement, and we work together, and that's when it becomes a meta tzibur. But that's very hard to happen. The, the, the differences in opinions are legitimate. The most the, the most trafer sentence I've ever heard is, why don't Rabbanim get along? What do you mean don't get along? He holds this emiss, holds this is emiss. He holds this emiss, this is emiss. It's not a Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin, in Amida Beminion, you have to involve your das in the Maisa. You're supposed to, every Tzibur has its Hanhaga. Ashrenu that there are so many issues. There are issues coming down the pike that are threatening to deluge us. And we need to have that overarching tzibur. And if we don't understand it, we wouldn't have this issue. So people need to have their abeim, their, their, their manhigim, and their messiris, and then there is, and, the, and then we have the metahan that takes, that deals with issues that, that affect everybody. We had the issue with when when things started with the internet asifa, there were it affected everybody. There were kahilas didn't feel comfortable to use the name Aguda. Sir Matzel Salman made Ichud Kihilas. He needed a name to give everybody. Ashreinu that Aguda does it, it stands at the forefront of so many different things that need to be done with the das of all the gdailim that 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 are part of this of, of that hog of this sibur. And yes. There are many other issues that will be ill and that's part of Taira. You have to hear each voice. You have to know the altar sims. If it's coming from Nasna Liban Taira, Lashamayim, it's coming from Dela Taira, that, they all are valid and they're all needed in Shkvay in, in, in Shamayim.
First of all, now, now he can disagree. I gave him, I gave him the right to disagree, so no problem. No. I welcome it. Right? He said a Gomorrah. Um, what the Rashiva said, first of all, I would just add on one sentence as a marshal. You know, um, if Hashem is Amin and Rashi Feinstein had a Machlekes about Malachas Boirer, so nobody said they didn't get along. Okay? And Rabbi Yashiv and Hashem Zalman had endless Machlekes and about endless Malachas of Shabbos, as you all know, from opening bottles to etc. Um, nobody said they didn't get along. So that's some concept of, of Paiskim and Bonim having differences of opinion around issues that revolve either halacha or hashkafa has nothing to do with personal issues, and it's not a machlekes necessarily at all. I want to refer back to the question of how to pick a das terah. We'll bring it down to the personal level, besides what the Roshiva said. This is an opportunity, first of all, to stress that every person in Kalei Yisrael today that's part of the terah world has to have a rov or a rebbe that he consults with. It's critical, not because he's always right or he has ruach hakodesh. Because it has to be a captain on the ship. Person needs to have some person that is a, he goes to who is more objective than the person themselves. Obviously, Torah creates objectivity more than anything else. Torah creates objectivity. I saw an incredible Masil Sisharm this week. Masil Sisharm says that Pinchas Ben Yorah said, Torah mevila de Zahiros. Zahiros means Yerushamayim. So the main opponent says the Masil Sisharm, the Ramchal to Yerushamayim. Is a person who's busy with the world? He has hasachadas. If you're kovei, eat him latayra. So then, you will have yirashamayim because you will not so be, you won't be so involved in the world. And you won't be so distracted. And that's what it means. Barasi it's a horror. Barasi tayra tavan. So I was intrigued. If that's the main reason why a person should learn, not because of mitzvah talmud tayra, but in order that a person should be able to get to yirashamayim, that he shouldn't to zehiros, so he should do yoga. You should go play golf. You ever see anybody play golf? Their mind is completely empty. They're not tired with anything until you get to the next hole, until you come back. And why do you have to learn Torah? The answer is, is that the only way to detach ourselves from the world is only through Torah. Torah Mavir, these heroes. If you need to detach yourself from the world and step out of your self-absorption, only Torah. And he says that's the main reason why it's supposed to be Kavei Itim Latayra, because otherwise you're not going to have any Yerushamayim. And that's the main reason why Barasi Latayra, Barasi Torah Tavlin. So somebody who's some sort of Torah personality is much more objective than you. They're able to step out of the world that we live in with all its confusion and subjectivities. A person cannot live without having some sort of Rav or Rebbe. And I can say for myself that I don't make a move without my Rebbeim. And it's not possible. I spoke to, I said this many years ago at a convention. I once had a conversation with one of the busiest Jewish therapists in our world who told me he's not from exactly our Haredi world, but he's seen everybody. And he said to me that if your world, if in your Haredi world, every family would have a Rav, he would have 50% less work to do. They wouldn't need to go to therapy. And the reason is most people end up in therapy because of instability. A Rav is a captain of a ship. A Rav creates continuity. A Rav creates a symbol. A Rav creates stability. A Rav is an anchor. And therefore, since every Jewish family has to have a Rav, it's imperative. I... We're starting to tell, instruct Kala teachers to tell girls that if the boy doesn't have a rub, don't get married. It's more important than all the other things on the resume. His friends and the dearers who are liars, and his Mesha from high school who's a bigger liar. He doesn't remember what the boy looks like even. If the boy doesn't have a Rebbe, 
don't bother with the shidduch. Okay, that's something which I'm saying publicly online. That um, if a boy doesn't have a rebbe, he probably should should ask why not, and who's gonna who's he gonna ask, and who's gonna keep the boundaries in life? Because kedusha means boundaries. So if you have to pick a rebbe, and all of you can do it even at your <laughs> advanced age, it has to be somebody who knows you, a. B. Somebody who has the time of day to give you the time of day. Three. It has to be somebody you feel comfortable with. And four, somebody knows what he's talking about. Four rules. He knows who you are. You feel comfortable with him. He has time. He knows what he's talking about. If he doesn't pass those four rules, then he can't be a rav. And that's the way a person picks a rav. It has to be somebody that you, obviously, he has to be, when I say he knows what he's talking about, he's a Torah personality, that he has the Torah Mavila Day's heroes. He's able to step out of the subjective world. I can't stress enough. I would say that this whole evening is worth it just for that because out of all the things that we spoke about there's nothing more practical than this except for the gun question obviously but um other than that this is it and families rise and fall the amount of mistakes people make the amount of mistakes that people make because they don't have somebody objective in their life to speak to is nothing less than catastrophic and it's a shame that this is not strong enough and i would say again don't do a shit with your daughter if the boy doesn't have a rub. I'll go online on that, literally online. Um, I, I'd like to. The shiva agrees. I, I, I about the shidduchim. I don't know. You know shidduchim, but uh, I'll. I, I, I hey, want to... uh, one second. I would like to make a. a, a I'd like to continue with this point because I think it's a very critical point. When we pick a yeshiva for our kids, so it's a very chashu yeshiva, very distinct yeshiva. Ask yourself two questions. Is there a demos in yeshiva that you would feel comfortable and you would want your child to model himself after? And is there a person there that he can become connected to? I mean, Rabbi Yosef is one of those overworked people. He serves as a rebbe for so many people because it, where, where's everybody else? Where, it, 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 it's, so we pick a yeshiva based on 101 criteria. But the criteria of having, I was a Shiva, a door before Rabbi Yosef, we had Dmuyas. Um, you, you, besides Rabbi you, Chaim. You were, you were my Dmuyas. What? <laughs> besides Rabbi Chaim and Rabbi Nochem and my Shver, there were so many hush of a people there. Rabbi Chaim Kamil sat here, Rabbi Menlatik sat there, uh, Rabbi Shmuel Chavit sat there. It, it was incredible. And, and it gave us a certain, and you could talk, and they knew you. People will call up, they have an important question, it's mom's job. If I don't know you, what can I tell you? It, 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 I'll tell you the facts, like I said before, but the, pro the problem is how you process the facts. How, 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 do, how can someone answer that? So having, thinking twice, and when you move into an area, one of the considerations should be, is there a rub that I can feel part of Kehillah? Now, a rov can't do everything. So, today, there are other Paiskim hearing drushes, you can hear this, that. But is there a person that I would like to be part of Kehillah? That's something that is critical. And, 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 and if, if, it was, if there was an emphasis on that, we develop more of that. We would, if if we consider it important, more people would rise. Baruch Hashem, is, is is not an Ani, they have. And and it's those are two very important things. I can't I can't stress more what Riz said about the about having 
a, a yeshiva that gives a tzuras achayim and, and a rav is that. I want to also add another story that I felt was important to share about the first part. When the Chidush, the, the, the Imre Emes was the backbone in Poyla Shachsidis of, of, uh, of Aguda. His son-in-law, Rabbi Chemaya, was, Chemaya Levine, was his shliach and so on. So he sent him to Frankfurt to deal once with, um, with an issue with Rev Rosenheim, Rebecca Rosenheim. And he told him, invite yourself a Shabbos, Rabbi Yaakov Rosenheim. So, okay, it was strange. But he's the, Red, the Rebbe said, the Rebbe said it was father-in-law. He went there and it was very uncomfortable. In Gare, the women sat in another room. In Frankfurt, the women sat at the table, they asked kashas on the parasha, the little girl sang Zmiris, they danced around, he felt very, very uncomfortable. What did my father want? In the middle of the night, he wakes up, and he hears something, and he sees Rabbi Yaakov Rosheim sitting in a room and learning with tremendous geschmack, and he said he looked like a malach. And like he asked him, he said, I'm all week busy with calling on him, this is my time to learn this net, and was very taken by it. He came back, the imamis told him, I wanted to show you there are other ways also. You, so it doesn't mean that he, that he wanted to become a German. It doesn't mean that, but understanding the elu ve elu ve elu, if they're coming from real dastoy, real dastoy means that the person is a Talmud Chacham of stature and he's emis. There will be elu materian, elu oisrin, elu, elu, machshirin, elu poislin, but you need to see the entirety of it and you need to have a person. We're not in, in a position where each one of us can provide the emis, but we need to have the person that for us, this is our there. Okay, but one second. What, what about if people feel like they don't trust the process, meaning they kind of heard in Shul or by WhatsApp, like the Shiva said before, that this God all said this. If they really heard the G'dayalim say this to them, they would feel very comfortable listening. But a letter that was posted online leaves them weary about who signed and under what condition it was signed. So, um, so this is the question that we're waiting for. The online letter, the Godel should call up every person privately to discuss it with them, to consult with them, and then get back to them with their result. Because they have these like these calls, you can make conference calls, all of Kali Yisrael. I want to say something about this whole business, if you don't mind. I'm a visitor, and if you don't like what I'm saying, I'm out of here, Matzah Shabbos. <laughs> so you can raid the airport like Dagestan. I want to say as follows. This whole topic, is, I'm coming in as a visitor, and I'm just watching what's going on over here. Something's gone out of proportion, okay? I want to say the following, a few things. The basis of our stability and continuity. I said two things, stability and continuity of us, the Tzibra that's sitting here and the Tzibra that's listening as a Torah community, as a Torah kihila. The stability and the continuity is based on the fact that there's a hierarchy of Das Torah that runs the show 
I'm talking about the tzibur that's kafuf to the dastera that we are a part of. If we are going to weaken that process, we're cutting the branch that we sit on. We're throwing the baby out with the bath water. So first of all, every person who opens their mouth on this topic has to know they're playing with fire. We're talking about, you know, somebody once told me he went to Rav Shach, Levrocha, and he told him he has 10 eights to fix the oil of my yeshivas. 10. So Rav Shach listened to him, went over with them. He told me, he said, the biskerech, you're right. All 10 we should do. Then he said, Abay yeshivas are geisis. The yeshivas are geisisim. And a geisis, the halach is, you don't touch. Kaisa was in Goldus for 2,000 years. We're barely alive. The little bit of chiyos that we have left, the pach shemen that's in the bria, is the oilam hatayra, which includes anybody who has shaykhs to the oil mashivas, not whether you're in Kerala, whether you're working. And the tsura, which holds on to it, is the hierarchy that runs it. If because of discussions and everybody saying what they want, we're going to weaken that context, it's game over. So everybody who thinks they're expressing their opinion about Pliny or Almoni or Aldo of Alha has to know that we're talking about something which is mamish our etzem chios. It's something which is binafshenu. It's an ashamashe. It's an avershan ashamatliyabai. Our life is dependent on this. The future of our children is dependent. The future of our society is dependent on this. Don't play with fire. That's A. Second of all, on a personal note, if the island would know the amount of seriousness and COVID rush that these decisions are made, this question wouldn't have even been asked at an Agoda convention. Okay, I've been in the house. Many times, the house of my Rebbe Rebellion Budni at 1 o'clock, 1.15, because that's when we meet, in the morning. And countless times I've been there, and I wait, because he's on the phone of a conference call with the Maetzes. They're discussing something. And being that I'm a Yenta, I listen. And the COVID Reish, and the, the going down to the resolution and the calibration, it's 1.15 in the morning, the Olam's tired already. After a long day, these are big Rosh Hashivas, are busy people. And the COVID Reish, and the seriousness to the calibration and the lowest resolution of, of the ramifications of every Prat, these decisions are not made, you know, the way we make decisions, us regular people, we just, we pull from the sleeve and we say what we feel, we do. They're serious people who take into account a lot of things, and the etzim nigiya in this ruach apenu Mashiach Hashem is playing with fire. The third horror I want to say about this, besides the seriousness of the discussions that go on, and the paramount nature of not touching this fundamental infrastructure of our society, if we want to have a future of Torah America, don't touch this. I'm astounded by the etzim discussion that's going on. I'm saying this as a visit. I'm astounded. I, I can't believe that they got to such a thing that the issue that we're talking about is a minor passing event. The price tag that we're taking a danger over here is the future of your tzibur here in America. So we're talking about a passing event that happened that the oilum got excited about and you're going to throw the baby without with the bathwater out. We're talking about something much bigger. Let's not get sucked into cottonness. Let's think big. Let's think about the future. Let's think about Atzibur. Let's think about the hierarchy of Torah that runs out Atzibur. And the third thing which has to be said, 
I want to identify three populations in this discussion that the question is hinting at. If you have a Rav that doesn't agree with a certain Kol Kairi, so follow your Rav. He's your Rav. If you're a Talmud and you're part of the world that the Kol Kairi signed on, then he's your Rebbe. You go with him. Because that's your hierarchy. That goes back to having a Rav. It doesn't make a difference. It's That's your Rav. Go with it. And if you're the 70% that are in the bleachers who don't have a rov, and you're sitting in the bleachers throwing peanuts, stay out of it. Now, 70% of the noise is coming from the bleachers. And therefore, it's not relevant. What is relevant is, if you have a rov, you can have a dialogue with your rov privately. Discuss it. Ask. Go find out. But as a Kaisal thing, voices which don't have Rabbonim and are not Meshubba to any Rav don't have a voice in this discussion at all. And we have to be responsible and you have to have Achrayis and you have to think about tomorrow and we have to think about what's important to us and what's not important to us. That's my answer to this question. I'd like to add also, um, I've this conversation um, I, I, I hate to sound old, but I'm older than most people in the room. It was exactly the same 60 years ago. I can, I can, I can, I can repeat. The Gdolim don't know anything about what's happening. They're making all the wrong decisions. They're, they're, they're breaking away from the cloud. On and on and on. This 60 years ago, I can, I can remember it. And I'm not. I don't come from Munzkachom. I come from scientific experimentation. We're here. We're here in a way that's incredible. And, and if we wouldn't have listened to them, right? if we wouldn't have listened to them 60 years ago, we would still be selling the last size in Hebrew publishing company that Rav Gifta bought. The, the, that's where we'd be. It, it, was, it was unthinkable. It didn't make sense. I don't understand something. You're going you're gonna to have people that are going to college, sit and learn. You're, you're sort of staying out of the mainstream America. Cutlerism was a derogatory term. Everything about it, and we're here. Not only we're here, we're here, and nothing else. When I was growing up, the question was which Orthodox will become next conservative, and the question was that which compromise should we make, um, and that's the way it was. And and the attitude towards the the the, the Rabbanim, uh, it was exactly the, the words are the same words. I can I can I can repeat it from my sleep the way it was, and we're here. Is it because was Ruach Is it because like was mentioned of Binyan uh, Binyan Nurim and Stiras Kainim? Is it because Akadish Baruch led this way? I don't know, but we're here. And and I vividly I you know I, I know what it was like growing up I know it's now and it's the same exact sound. I want to just add a point. A lot of decisions on these things are shikl hadas, which means like like we saw elu elu. It's a question of weighing different studies. There was no there were there were reasons very important reasons to go to rally and very important reasons not to go. And and each mayor hira of had to make it was a shikladas. So the, the, the a person.
person needs to know when he's ready for that shikla das and for whom. Of course, it does make sense because that's why I'm going to shikla das. So understanding that issues that shikla das because that stud him and stud him and stud him, that's what das ter is. Das ter is not to show the marmok mishmaruch. For that, we have a chachmat Hashem. We 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 don't need to. But to be able to shikla shikla that's complex. This this hello matirasin. The shikla doesn't come out the same. But as long as it's Hashem Shemayim and it, the person, and like, and what Revelophon said, what Ray said, can't be more emphasized. A person should not ever live with Kalkairis and, 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 and what's up. A person needs to have a rough. A person that he trusts went through it and I'm a vat my das. It, it, it's a shikla das. And it's just like medicine. It's one of the big problems today is everybody can read up. On, on, uh, on Google instantly what, you know, about the disease and then come to the doctor. The doctor will tell the person, you know what? I've, I've seen 50 years worth of it. I, I, the information is technically correct, but it's not the gap. And if the guy is a chacham, he says, yeah, I just, you know, I, I, that's, that's why I came to you. That's why I trust you. The entire of uh, the real issues are Yishol Shikla Das. And a person needs to ask himself, Who's the person that will guide me in these areas? Shikadas? That's really what it's about. I want to make one correction. Sure. I didn't say not to follow Kolkariyas because I want to call it. I think that if the Kolkari is from somebody who's the head of the world that you live in, then you're Meshubah to listen to him. Correct. I want to add on one more thing about this issue about Das Tera. The fact that, you know, we know that all of Kaisal are geopolitical military strategists. In, in every mikveh in Yisrael, they'll tell you why Netanyahu is not sending the tanks in the right place. And Shmerel knows from inside information, by the way, because his cousin sent him a selfie from Gaza when he was flipping burgers there, that he knows that if the planes would drop the bomb over there, he knows that it's something much greater that would be strategic. Everybody's wrong. He knows. And by the way, there's a lot of us like that because we talk to do know. That's the truth. Okay. What does Netanyahu know? What do the generals know? We know. I'm sitting in Muncie, five towns. Flatbush, Lakewood, we know. But it's a joke. That the Elam understands that even though we do talk like that, it's absurd. You know that people who take on the responsibility of the Tzibur, the fact that somebody who doesn't know that much about the topic and learned a few less tesis than the people sitting in the room, the fact that they think that they can express an opinion that we're equals on it is a massive mistake, by the way. The only understanding of that is that you understand that it's, it's not a topic that Hashayach is the Torah. So if you say that, listen, if it's a political shayla, I'm just a bigger expert as, as, as the Rosh Hashivas Rabbonim. That's exactly the point. These issues, not what the decision is, Rabbi Yisai. The decision of what is a decision that's under the jurisdiction of Torah is only comes from G'dayle Torah. Not just the decision of yes or no. The decision of what is under the jurisdiction of Torah and what you can go to a, 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 a person outside the world of Torah to decide, that's not for us to decide. For that, we need a little, all of us, we need a little bit of humility, also another few couple of tesis in one hurt. And then a person can get to the stage where they can decide what is under the jurisdiction of Torah. We're not equals. And I think it's critical that we all act with a little bit of humility and accept the fact that there are issues which are not under our jurisdiction and keep the hierarchy in place. We're way past that bad time. We're going to fittingly end with this question. There's been a lot of talk since October 7th in regards to Mashiach coming. 
People saying he's at the doorstep, he's days away, finally coming. Every single Haftarah since Bereshis was showing exactly that Mashiach is coming this Shabbos. The mentality is that this is it. This Shabbos? We'll see. I came, I came left the wrong time. <laughs> the Jewish people have been through a lot throughout the generations. October 7th is the most recent, but definitely not the most significant in scale. What is the proper direction in terms of hoping and awaiting Mashiach? So I once wrote about it in a magazine someplace. Um, it, it, it's, it's unfortunately our, our minds and imagination are shaped by the media, the movies we've watched, and we're waiting for that big finale like we know it's going to come and then a big light's going to come out and there'll be all of a sudden this big Mashiach, blue light Mashiach and so on. We have to ask ourselves, first of all, the Rambam says, and, it's, and the Rambam, it's Kedai Dechazer over all the time, about not being Mechashe Kitsin, he says, because it brings no to Ellis whatsoever. And if Mashiach is coming tomorrow, so what? L let me put it a different way. Rabbi Isai, starting tomorrow, you're all going to be sitting in Kailal, learning Baba Basra from morning till night. It's worse than it. that. Wor worse than that. It's, it's, sheer, it's a sheer clully that starts, and you can never get out of your seat for Adnei Tzach <laughs> <laughs> So I, I told the Bachrim, a three-day yontiv Draws you up the walls. My gosh. So, so uh, what does that mean? It, it's not a media event. It, it means that our lives are going to change drastically and it become a world like Ramam says. The reason to want Mashiach is that we don't have the troubles that we have and we just are misanig. Not misanig. We're Haskell, we're Isaac, and Haskell, we're Isaac. Are we talking interested in that? So if, if, if you feel the threat of Mashiach coming, then we need to start developing our Ratzin and Cheshik of Haskabedor. It, it, it's, not, it's not a media event. It's not a this, it's not a that. So what's the point of all that? And, and, and also, again, it, when people got, there never was something like that. There never was, there was anything like COVID. There was like the Ukraine war. There's nothing like this. And, and there's nothing like this. It's a good convention. There never was any convention like this. What, what, I mean, you're, 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 it's short. It's short on 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 on, on I don't memories are very short. It was a horrific thing that happened there at Israel, but my parents went through something that was incredibly horrific, and I, I don't you know. It's so, so so I think the talk is idle talk because it's not. If a person if a person should be anticipating every day means I need to shape myself so that in a world that's all Ruchnius, I'm a citizen of good standing. I enjoy that world. I want that world. That's what it's about. And and Kishigalar is saying that that's when Kashbar Hashem will bring him here Yamenu. But 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 it's not it's not poof and it's instant and it's 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 means a whole different change for us. There's a there's an incredible Nasiva Shalom, the Halaga Nasiva Shalom it brings down the Rambam that a person who's not mechaka the Mashiach, I think the exact lashon is kaifer leirak, a little bit Moshe, but Tarasa, you're kaifer. That's very interesting. A person who's not mechaka for Mashiach, I understand that a person who doesn't believe whether Mashiach is coming and not as a kaifer, it's one of the Yudgim of the Karm. But a person who's not waiting for Mashiach, waiting for Mashiach is an emotion. Why is he a kaifer? Kaifer is an intellectual term, and waiting is an emotional terminology. But the answer is very simple. 
and maybe it's a summary of everything we spoke about tonight and what Rabbi Miller spoke about Shlita earlier in the session. What are we doing in this world? We came into this world to be Marbekovich Mayim. We're just here for a tafkid. Our job is to be Marbekovich Mayim in the world and be Megalik Foydeisbach, to be walking Kovich Mayim, to be walking Kiddush Hashem. That's our job. Our job is to be Megalik Foydeisbach in the world. That's what we came into the world for. If that's our agenda, then we want Mashiach to come. I once had a conversation with a big Balmusser. I asked him that I don't want to dive in Rosh Hashanah. I'm Sfarad, if you don't mind. And Mashiach is going to come, of course, and we're out of business. There's no growth afterwards. Mashiach should come next year. This year I'm going to do Chuva, I'm going to Steig. And then when he, I'll be in a better shape when he comes. And the person told me the MSA thing that part of our self sacrifice for COVID Shemaim is that we're prepared to give up our steiging. That's the truth. That's that's a similar. We're prepared to give up everything. We live for COVID Shemaim. Says the Rambam, if you're not waiting for Mashiach, so what are you waiting for? What do you live for? What's your horizon? What's your destiny? What's your purpose in life? Why you go to work? Why do you bring up kids? What for? So if you're not Mechaka for Mashiach, you're a koifer. So the Indian of Mashiach, like the Rashiva said, is serious business. It's, it's the essence of what we're about. And if you're not waiting for Mashiach, then you miss the boat. So the mechakel, achakel b'chol yom she'yavoy is a big avoida. Because it's not the avoida of waiting for Mashiach and the good times that will come. It's waiting for gilu kvoide yisbaruch in the world, which is what we're all about. It's what this convention is about. And if I go back to the question about the, the Rabbonim and Das Torah, it's what Das Torah is about. So whenever we talk about these issues, we have to know what's going to be Mar Bekovich What's going to cause Mosai Timlech B'Tzir and Bekovich? When will the Shechina go out of Golos? When will we see that the Ebishtu who's Imoy and Neuchi that will see the Gula Shleim of Korov Amen.